Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Hawk Talk Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Peter Carney. Tony and I are today joined by Soli from the Get Loud Dayton Podcast. Uh, Soli streams his podcast on the radio as well, so if it seems a little bit different of an episode, that's because it is. But thanks so much for everyone who tunes in. Uh, I want you to enjoy this one after the Dayton lost. I think we have some good insights so sit back and enjoy. And welcome back to the Talking Out Loud podcast, the number one show in the Atlantic 10 for Dayton Flyers basketball and among A-10 fans and Dayton fans just about everywhere. If you're listening to us on the podcast feed or 1410 ESPN Radio, we welcome you in. Flyers victorious on Edwin C. Moses Boulevard by 20. Cover the spread. Everybody goes home happy on a Wednesday evening. 76-56, your final from UD Arena at the expense of the Hawks from St. Joseph's. I'm your host, Sully, bringing you another episode. It is great to have you in for a full hour, and I mean it, full hour. Well, if you're on the radio, it's a full hour. If you're on the podcast feed, a full 45 to 50 minutes with song on the end. And I have two very special guests to break down the game for us tonight. And it's not what you think, listeners. It's not. I know what you're thinking out there. Who do you get? Former player? Another nobody chopping up about Dayton Hoops. No, the number one podcast in the A-10 would not do you like that. I brought in two very special guests from the other side of the fence. We are going to hear from Pete and Anthony from the Hawk Talk podcast. You can find them on Twitter at Hawk Talk SJU. And they join us now. First, we'll start with Pete. Pete. I think you guys were a little bit optimistic about the outcome here tonight at UD Arena, but it didn't really feel like it was in question past about the 12-minute mark of the first half. Give me your initial reaction on what you saw tonight. No, Sully. First off, thanks so much for having us on. Uh, always great to chat it up. And what better way to talk to the the podcast of the team that just trampled you? I mean, yeah, it, doesn't, exactly. it doesn't get better than that. That was my thought process as well. Thank you, Pete. Yes. So, you know, we had a brief sort of back and forth exchange on Twitter where I said what my nice little keys to the game were. You were rosy. I appreciate that. It just showed me your youth. You were rosy. St. Joe's basketball has not beaten you down yet. And I appreciate that about you. Right. You know, got to share the keys of the game. Keep keep the people motivated to know how we would overcome the the 14.5 point spread. And. I said we would need to do a few things. I'd say we we needed to limit turnovers. Uh, we needed to cause, you know, limit the amount of attempts that Dayton had on offense, and we needed to see something for our guards. And you were like, nope. Uh, actually, you need, all you need to do really is just hold hold Holmes, De'Aaron Holmes, to, to 20 points. And, well... Less than 20 points. Yeah, less than 20, less points. Than 20 points. And, and what did uh, I say about the turnovers? What did I tell you? You said the turnovers didn't really matter because Dayton... I said Dayton was going to turn the ball over 10 <laughs> times, guaranteed it, and they turned the ball over 11 times, listeners. Not going to pat myself on the back. I'm just telling you, I know the keys of the game. Go on, sir. We we also turned over the ball. If 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 we were having this podcast uh, and you told me that we turned over the ball seven times, uh, I, I, I would think that the, assuredly we had won the game. But yeah, we turned over the ball to seven times, assisted on seven shots versus Dayton's 21. And I, I just left the game overall feeling like, wow, if if Dayton doesn't win the Atlantic 10, we are, I don't know who, who can win the Atlantic 10. You guys have so much talent. Mm-hmm. I'm convinced. And this is without your, your point guard and with a lot of other like starting shooting guards as well. Yeah, yeah. starting shooting guards like. I don't I don't understand how that isn't the expectation for anyone in this league. Tony, your follow-up thoughts on that. Yeah, I think for me it's one, Dayton is, first of all, just bigger, right? That's like the first thing you notice when you actually turn on the television. You're like, oh my gosh, yeah. these guys are so much bigger. And yeah. you can just tell the difference in talent there. Um and the ability to just flick on a switch 
and go and lock a team down, even though St. Joe's really isn't a competent offense, if I were to be honest with everyone. Um, but when you watch a team like Dayton that just turns it on, <laughs> holds the opponent down to few as few points as possible, and not only you know end the first half with that momentum, but then come out of the second half you know, where people have sat down, people have, you know, teams have started to look and scheme against one another and they just kept the momentum like nothing had changed. So those were, for me, at least the two big things was the fact that Dayton could just turn it on at a moment's notice. And when they did turn it on, they kept it on and kept the pressure for the entire remaining 25 minutes of the game or maybe 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, and, and apologies to all the Hawks Hawk listeners tonight. This is going to be slightly more Dayton focused just because I'm contractually obligated to get it on 1410 ESPN radio in Dayton. And I, these men at Hawk Talk have obliged and said, thank you, Sully. We would do this. Uh, we call it a simulcast, even though that's not the proper term. So thank you, St. Joe's listeners and all of you out there on the radio uh, listening. This is Talking Out Loud with our pals from St. Joe's wrapping up Dayton's 20 point win, 76 to 56. Um, and you know, fellas, a couple of points there that, that I wanted to, to flesh out further was, um, you're right. First of all, the, the talent disparity between Dayton and the rest of the conference is, is fairly obvious, even three games, three games in, right. Um, Dayton never really struggled against Duquesne, uh, coming in who was, you know, 10 and three little upstart team. They would, they were kind of surprising people top 150 team, not in the top 100. They went on the road to Davidson, um, who again is having their own struggles, never really struggled in that game. And now a 20 point win at home against St. Joe's. I think it's fair to say in the last 30 minutes, Dayton never really struggled in that game either. But what I will say to you guys is that what was really encouraging tonight about the flyers is that, under Grant and under all of his teams, not even this team, but let's go specifically in the last season and a half here, Dayton has really struggled out of the halftime break to keep that momentum going, right? And to build off of, I believe it was a, what, like 15 to 6 run or 19 to 5 run. It was like something like that where Dayton had the the big run right before the half to extend the lead. And... At times, they, they've shown a tendency to not be able to put their foot down and put the game away. And, and I really just didn't feel like that was the case tonight. Like the second half, it, it really just wasn't in question. And I guess you guys being first time that you've seen the team, um, Pete, I guess you can go first. Like, was it just the size of Dayton that kind of surprised you? Or, you know, were there other factors uh, like, you know, Holmes, was he was he better than you thought you were? Because like I said, I knew Dayton was going to turn the ball over 10 times. They did. They turned it over 11. But you had said, well, it, it, you know, it matters of what contributions we get from the guards. And I said, well, it really doesn't matter. And it's not going to matter in conference play. Like if A-10 teams cannot stop Deron Holmes from scoring 20 points, we're going to win the game. Um, do you kind of understand now where my sentiment's coming from there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean... De'Aaron Holmes, like if you don't stop De'Aaron Holmes, you're you're not going to beat Dayton if you're in the A10, and then you you're especially not going to if you let R.J. Blakeney score 19 or 20 or whatever. He certainly ended up not. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, certainly not. And then one more thing that I'm thinking about, like from a Dayton standpoint, they came into tonight, I think, ranked 14 out of 15 teams from in, in with regards to three point perspective. Yep. And they shot 50, 50% from the field yeah. on 20 shots. I don't know if anyone in – I don't know many teams in college basketball that beat Dayton tonight if they, sh- if they shoot 50%. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, that was the, the one other thing that jumped off on the box score was 10 for 20 from the field from three-point range. I don't think Dayton has had a game – actually, I'm almost certain Dayton hasn't had a game – to that, um, to that, um, level of percentage, you know, 10, 10 out of 20. And that that's kind of it for the flyers, right? Like if, if you can't stop down low and they're going to be able to stretch the floor and hit threes on you, I mean, it's curtains in, in conference play. And especially with how mediocre the conference has been to this point. Um, Tony, that was my next question for you. Like, have you been surprised just like, oh, I mean, I know it's probably an obvious question, but man, the conference has just been terrible to this this point. 
top to bottom, right? Yeah, and I mean, I think that's something we all knew coming in from last year, right? We had a, a lot of good teams that were graduating a lot of their players. And of course, the transfer portal situation continues to plague mid-major conferences like ours um, consistently, in my eyes at least. But I kind of want to bring back one topic that Pete had mentioned, or I wanted to add to one of Pete's comments was around the athleticism thing where you said, you know, what you know, what surprised you about this team other than them being bigger? Yeah. One thing I wanted to note that they do really well, and I think it's, of course, going to carry them throughout all of conference play, and this is Dayton, of course, is the fact that even when a defender beats you, you somehow or your players somehow find a way to stay active in the play, get a reach around behind, knock the ball out. Like one time it happened, or a couple of times against Casper um, Klotschek, who's our power forward, he beats his defender, and all of a sudden there's the defender coming back around has faster feet and somehow is reaching for the ball, swiping it away or reestablishing his position on defense. And Mm -hmm. you just don't see that anywhere else in the conference right now where players not only are bigger, but they've also got that faster quick step and can reposition themselves even when they've lost their, their, the, the person they're supposed to be defending against. So that's what really jumped out to me, at least during this game and something that I think I don't think a lot of the rest of the conference can match in, in that regard. Well, that's why I went a step further, and, and I said this has been true the last three games so far in conference plays. I think we can all agree A-10 teams, by and large, are built on guards, guard play, uh, you know, lots of shooters, just in general. I mean, you have to really go back through conference history years and years to find, like, dominant big men, and they're really not a dime a dozen, but... That's why the keys to the game for Dayton moving forward pretty much every night are like, and I guess I'm speaking to the the opposing team here, Tony, is like, it really doesn't matter what your guards do. If you can't get easy buckets in the post, you're not going to beat Dayton. And, and obviously tonight uh, was one of those nights for St. Joe's where they're five for 24 from three-point land. That's kind of the key to their whole game. And I'm sure I'm not telling you guys anything new, like, St. Joe's isn't going to beat anybody if they can't figure out how to hit the three ball, right? But I guess that's a larger point for for this segment is like we're in year four of of Billy Lang coaching St. Joe's. Um, He's still trying to do this up-tempo NBA style, you know, dare I call it Warriors offense where you're shooting the ball from downtown literally all the time. And he still has yet to have a team shoot 33% from downtown like are you getting to the point as a fan looking at the program where like that's a huge concern for you yeah and I'll I'll maybe Pete I'll jump on this one real quick first but this is something I've written about extensively at a 10 talk where I also write um is the fact that I've been begging coach Lang to attack the rim to attack the paint to not settle for threes and for the first 10 minutes of that of this game tonight St. Joe's did that They attacked the rim. They found, they made the right decisions. They made the right passes. They scored with inside. They didn't take any outside shots. And then all of a sudden, right when Dayton turned on that great defense is when we started settling for threes and they didn't want to fight to get to the rim. They didn't have the the heart or the drive, whatever you want to call it. They just stopped doing it. And then all of a sudden we're shooting five for 24. And that's clearly not the way we're going to win. It's clearly not the way this team is going to stick in games with other conference opponents. And so it's something that needs to change. And that's as simple as it gets. Yeah. yeah. Echo those sentiments, Pete. Yeah. Uh, definitely. I think he brings up a really good point. Um, I, I actually was listening to to you talk last time about, or I, I, maybe, it, maybe it wasn't you, actually, solely, or it, maybe it was the Dayton broadcaster sort of mixed the two in my brain. But um, I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, the, so <laughs> the one thing that St. Joe's does well, someone said this at some point in time, was that we 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 shoot a lot of three throws. Like we get to the, to the line a lot. And to yeah. Tony's point, that's, that's one thing that we didn't do this game that we needed to do. I think Dayton had three team fouls or like no team fouls it felt like going into half. I don't. I don't have it right in front of me, but it was pretty yeah, bad. Yeah, St. Joe's was 11 for 13 from the line for the whole game. Um, Dayton did not get into foul trouble, generally speaking, today. Nobody had more than three fouls, and yet the whole game, 10 fouls. So not a whole lot. Yeah, I think if for us to, to really capitalize on uh, having guards and being able to attack the basket, 
we needed to capitalize and getting to the free throw line. One more thing I'll add there is that there was a point in the game where we were running this uh, 1-2-2 defense, three-quarter press, and it just turned into a dunk contest for Dayton. Yeah. Dayton absolutely, like, we looked like we were a D3 team that, like, lost all the gas in the tank. You wouldn't have thought that we were up going into 10 minutes. Like, they just took over at a certain point, and I was like, wow, De'Aaron Holmes is a stud. Yeah. And that's kind of why there's room for optimism here at Dayton. Uh, more questions for the St. Joe's guys on the other side of the break. We got to get into a little bit more where St. Joe's goes from here, where their fandom sits right now, and what more they can tell us about the Dayton Flyers. That's all on the other side of the break. You're listening and talking out loud. Dayton, a winner by 20, 76 56 at the arena. It's your boy Sully with Pete and Anthony from the Hawk Talk podcast. Come on back on the podcast feed and 1410 ESPN Radio in Dayton. And welcome back. Still listening to Talking Out Loud. I am still your boy, Sully, and this is still the number one podcast in the Atlantic 10. Have been for five years. Where you been? We got Pete and Anthony from the Hot Hawk Talk podcast. Sometimes I have to slow down. It's just radio for you, baby. Sometimes you got to slow down. You're getting too fast. You're getting too excited. Flyers win by 20. It's a good night around Dayton land, and you are listening to the Rapid Reaction. We do them all the time, and tonight is absolutely no different if you're listening to us on the podcast feed or 1410 ESPN Radio in Dayton. I uh, got the guys with me, and um, it, you know it's a tough night. We we're going to be sensitive to the fact that it's a tough night to be a Joe's fan. You know they dropped to six and eight, zero and two in the conference, kind of headed towards the pillow fights. So let's start there in this segment, fellas. Like, what is the feeling around the fan base right now? Because that's always the stuff I like to do. Is like, let's get the temperature of the fan base. I can talk your ear off about how polarizing the Anthony Grant situation is in Dayton and, and all that. But we talk about that stuff all the time. That's why I love getting together with my pals from the conference. Now that St. Joe's has come out of the Martelli era, and we're, we're way off of the Martelli era now. Uh, last tournament appearance was 2016. Before that, 2014. And then a fairly big gap. And, you know, there was the the famous team of 2004, obviously, for many listeners in Dayton who remember that team as well. But you're now seven years away from the NCAA tournament in year four of Billy Lang. Clearly, this up-tempo offense isn't working because he hasn't gotten enough shooters. Um, and, and that's solely the reason. I think there are probably some other secondary reasons. You know, like it's a very hard system to play in college basketball if you can get, if you cannot get elite shooters, right? Which are going to be hard to get at a program like St. Joe's where most of us in the A-10 are a tier B or tier C type of program. But um, whoever wants to go first on this one, like what is the temperature of St. Joe's fans right now Um, after, after this loss? Sure. Six and eight, right? Tony, I'll let you start on this one. I think, because I think you just have a temperature that's more indicative of the the St. Joseph's fan base as a whole. I mean, it's got to be bleak, right? Like you guys yeah. haven't won more than six conference games in five years. Like, and that that might not change this year, given what we've seen, right? Like, it's okay to be to be really pissed at this point. If if I'm if I'm you, you know, yeah, you. I I think Pete's saying that because I am from uh, closer to Philadelphia than he he was growing up, and so nobody could tell bit, with your accent. Don't worry, Tony. Uh, yeah, I have a little does. bit more of that temperament. Um, the, the hot, you know, the hot blood. Um, yeah, yeah, sure. That's what we're so, all about. So, I mean, here's the thing with the whole program, right? <clears throat> My purview and view of it was, okay, the, the school is going in a different direction. These things happen. Nothing lasts forever. Um, but for me, the losing of, you know, three to four years now is where I've start started to really, you know, lose the vision of, of coach Lang on this team. Sure. Um, I was all for it for the first two years. I, I have to be open-minded. There's no going back into the past. The school made a decision and we've moved on. And 
and every other facet of our lives, you know, you have to move on once you make a decision. There's no, you know, it's like a sunk cost. It's all your classic business decision-making skills. Um, sure. But after that had been made, and now we're on year three and four of the same bad decisions being constantly made. And it's not only on the basketball court where it's an issue, it's also in the overall experience at Hagen Arena. And I'm going to compare it to Dayton because this is a Dayton show. I'm very envious of what you guys have at your program. The, the stadium is always packed. It's a thriving fan base. And while there may be some infighting, that happens with fan bases. You're all still at the game. You're all still rooting for the same team. And boy, is it exciting to hear the cheering on the on the on the TV when I'm watching the game and I hear, you know, Lynn Greer comes out on the on the on the court and they're booing him and it's a really loud student section. <laughs> and then you look at St. Joe's and it's like silent. It's like, a, I mean, you know, I know we're a Catholic school and maybe we're a little meek and mild, but, um, you know, come on, get rowdy, folks. And at Hagen Arena, it's just it's like a church in there. It's it's dead quiet. There's no one ever in there. And it's a real problem. And not only has, and to, to wrap this all up in a nice little bow, yes, we made decisions on the basketball court, but those decisions on the basketball court have now spilled over into the entire fan experience at St. Joe's. And that's what really is disconcerting. It's not the fact that the sure. team's losing. It's that it's almost poisoned the well. Yeah. Yeah, because apathy sets in, right? Like you do enough losing. And what happens when you do enough losing? People stop caring. And that's the worst thing, you know? I tell people that all the time on this show and regardless is like the worst thing that could possibly happen to Dayton. And and not that it's happened to this point, but you can see the seeds being sown is that when you start to lose and then you start to lose consistently or you start to be irrelevant, as it were, in the national landscape, because I think... For Dayton, we're kind of comparing ourselves to like, well, remember how awesome it was to be relevant in 2020, right? How great was that? We were on Sports Center every night. We had like National Player of the Year. You know, that was all fun. And Dayton was ranked. We haven't been relevant now in three years. And I said to people on the last show that when you get fans in the arena that are no longer really caring about, oh, well, how is the team doing this year? You, know, you get questions like that. How is the team doing this year? That's just because people, it's out of their purview, right? They don't care. And that is the first step towards what you're talking about right now, is that people start to not care game by game what the results are. Okay, no big deal. Most sports fans don't care game to game what the results are. I, I get that, you know. But then you get more apathy. It's like, oh, well, we'll just go watch the game because it's a night on the town, which happens a lot in Dayton. Well, the, the stage after that or the step down after that is total apathy towards the program. And like you said, people are just kind of showing up to games because that's something to do. And, and that's what you have to avoid getting to, right? And it is kind of like sad for me to hear you guys say that because um, you know, when I was growing up, when I was in high school... St. Joe's was like the program in the A10. You know, like you couldn't win at Hagen. You couldn't beat Phil Martelli. You, you weren't beating Jameer Nelson and Delonte West. Like that wasn't going to happen. You know, that was like an, an automatic loss. So um, that's why I started the segment there. You know, is like, what is the temperature of the program? Because I think you guys have now seen it, especially since you've graduated in 2018, is that there hasn't been that comeuppance, you know, what was promised to you. And the question I asked on the last podcast to all Dayton fans is like, what does the program owe to you as an alumni, you know, as a person who cares? And um, I don't know, I guess I, I'll, I'll get that take from you guys because I got a very spirited reaction online last week to saying that the program owes you a winner because you're paying money to go see a winner. And I had a lot of people say, well, all they owe you is effort. And I was like, well, if all we're asking for is effort and we don't care about winning, that's kind of a losing mentality. So I, I wanted to get your take on, on that point specifically. Yeah. So you, you, you talked about this on your last podcast, that this idea of like civic duty and yeah. the idea that like for Dayton fans, no matter what they'll go to the games and like for, for a date for a general Dayton fan, it's okay if you don't win, because like you said, it's all about effort. It's like the blessing and the curse, right? Because it's so cool that our civic duty is like tied to the basketball team. But unfortunately, if the team sucks a lot for a while, 
people are still going to show up because of that same civic duty, right? Like it's a knife that cuts both ways. I, I want to provide some context here. How how many fans did you have at the Alcorn State game? I mean, the same we always do, bro. Like it's been a decade since we had less than like twelve thousand people in the arena. Like for for real, I'm not even I'm not even exaggerating. Since like the last time we had under twelve thousand in the building, might have been like an NIT game when I was in school or something. I mean, I, I let's go down to eleven thousand just to keep myself safe. I can absolutely guarantee you the last time that we had less than eleven thousand in the building was like when I was in school, which was over a decade ago. So this is what we need to talk about. Forget what. <laughs> You know what? Down to brass tacks here. All right. You know what? They what? Tell tell the fans that are listening. Tell everyone what is the game day experience at Dayton Arena that you draw ten thousand plus fans. You know, whatever you said, eleven thousand plus fans every game. When we struggle to average, like we probably fib numbers to the point where we're getting like two thousand fans. We're like, oh, it's it's a good game. Good crowd. They had they had the marketing technique of giving away tickets for free. (laughs) (laughs) George Mason did that like a couple weeks ago, and I was like, "Well, I go, you know, you know, fan base is down on their luck right now, but yeah, we're not giving tickets away for free. That's for sure." No, but guys, it's worse. We we charge like thirty five dollars now for uh, a a a terrible ticket to like a in conference game against. George Washington. It's like, what is going on right now? Why Why would I pay that much money? Okay, so so answer this, man. Let's go another direction. Like, when you see, like, you, you know, you guys haven't been on the show before, but you know Dayton. You've been around, you know, the conference for, I don't know, let's call it what, like eight, ten years now? You guys have been, like, following the conference closely, right? Um, what is what is the perspective of Dayton? And 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 try to answer it like this, like, is it fair for Dayton fans to want expectations that are better than one tournament appearance in six years? Like, is that a fair expectation that I have had on this program and stated many times over? Yes, because that's the expectation I have for my school. <laughs> I mean, yeah, because St. Joe's was literally do- yeah, they were literally doing that from, I don't know, 1995 until 2015. And yeah, there was that, you mentioned it right before the show, there's a little bit of a dry spell at St. Joe's and there was, and, and there was questions about the program. And then, you know, the Langston Galloway and the DeAndre Bembry years happen and we kind of return to normalcy. And then we have a, a, a strong Charlie Brown, Fresh Kimball, Siobhan Newkirk team that does yeah. a little bit of a run and you're like, okay, that's fine. Like play with heart. We're not going to win every year, but if we show up with this crew and, and we can win and upset a couple teams and go into the semis of the conference final, okay, that's fine. We can live with that. We're little St. Joe's, but yeah, I think six once every six years is a very reasonable request. If anything, I would expect Dayton to be once every four years, just because of the pedigree size of the stadium. You're the only show in town, really. I mean, St. Joe's has to compete with not only Villanova, but professional sports on a much higher level and a, a you know, in a city that really cares about professional sports. And so um, I think you guys have a lot of favorable outlook and especially with the fall of teams like DePaul that aren't as good anymore. Like you can really run that market and, and control a lot of the recruiting. I think it's a reasonable request. Yeah. At the very least. Right. Uh, Even one out of four years, like now in the, in the transfer era or, you know, portal era NIL, it's like, well, you can pretty much reload your team like every two years. So like for you guys in St. Joe's where let's be honest, I mean, you're going to be way more reliant on that kind of stuff, right? Like getting transfers, turning over the team quickly. Like, doesn't that give you more hope that as a smaller program, you can turn it around pretty much like every other year, right? I, I don't think that's the direction that, Coach Lang is going. I think he said time and time again, this program will be built on not transfers, but rather through a, a recruiting process through high school players. That's asinine. And- I'll be honest with you. That's asinine. Like you, you could okay because it's one thing, fellas, to be like, okay, we can build through recruiting well and recruiting guys of the Saint Joe's message, right? But that has to be like 50% or less of your team. St. Joe's has to be like, hey, who are the studs in these mid-major crap conferences? The SoCon, the SWAC, 
the, I mean, name a conference, the MEAC, literally whatever. Go get those guys that are the best in those conferences that can score points. They're there for one or two years, and boom, like you have your guards, you fill out your team. Like, is is that what you guys are thinking, or am I just way off and thinking that that's even a possibility at a place like St. Joe's? I for for me as like a avid fan, we we have we have zero transfers aside from Educa Obina, who's a who's a grad transfer from Vanderbilt, and he didn't transfer this year. He transferred last year. That's crazy. I, a lot of fans from the program are saying the same thing you did. Uh, we we should have had two or three people on the team who are like significant transfers and significant tr- contri- contributors. At least. And, for, and we have had those people lined up. Xavier Johnson, who's killing it right now at um, Indiana. We had uh, Shane Desime, who's transferred to Temple and he's not doing much there. We've had tons of people who were lined up from high majors, mid majors to come to St. Joe's, get their grind in. Nope. Didn't fizzle out. And now we're putting all our eggs literally in one basket, which is the 2020 next year's class of, of recruits. We have like one of the best classes of recruits for uh, the a 10. But I mean, you guys seem to be the team that we should try to model off of where it's a little bit of everything. I think. Yeah, I mean, because it's possible, right? Um, Tony, do you have that same feeling? I mean, I, you kind of stated it before, but I don't know. It just seems so obvious to me that St. Joe's should be targeting transfers year in, year out now. Like, that seems like a quicker path to success than we're going to recruit the best in the A-10. Because, I mean, let's be honest, fellas. If you're super good at St. Joe's, like, let's say you get a freshman that lights it up in Philly for St. Joe's, scores 20 a game. He's not staying at St. Joe's, dudes. He's not. He's not staying at St. Joe's. Do you guys think that? No, there's no way he stays. <laughs> That's um, what I mean. Like, so why waste your time being like we're going to recruit the best in the conference? That's a waste to me. Yeah, I guess it has to be a balance in the sense that you are going to recruit kids, and some of them will stay. They're not all going to leave, but then sure. you also need to adapt to the environment that you're in. And we can, like, right? You can purists of the sport can complain that it's never going back to the way it was and all this other stuff. And it's like, yeah, you're right. It's not going back to the way it was. And so you're going to have to adapt and it's either adapt or die at this point. And I think what the product on the court is now we can infer what, what St. Joe's is doing out of those two <laughs> options. So we can read between the lines. Yeah, we can definitely read between the lines. Uh, more from Pete and Tony on the other side of the break. We went a different direction with the rapid reaction tonight, but I hope you're enjoying it. Got some St. Joe's fans on talking about the state of their program versus state of ours, what we do well, what they wish they did well that we do. And hey, I hope it's enjoyable for everybody. Well, come on back. Other side of the break. They're sticking with us for the whole hour. This is the Talking Out Loud rapid reaction date and winner. 7656 from UD Arena. This is your boy Sully on the number one show in the A10 and brought to you on the podcast feed and 1410 ESPN Radio in date. Welcome back to the Rapid Reaction Podcast here on 1410 ESPN Radio and your Talking Out Loud feed still number one podcast in the Atlantic 10. Finishing up with Tony and Peter from the Hawk Talk SJU podcast. That's exactly where you can find them on Twitter, Hawk Talk SJU. And they are rounding out the full hour with us, talking about Dayton's 20-point win. But I'm going to be honest with you listeners, um, at this point in the season, and I I told you guys this, I want to say it was last week, that There's a handful of teams in the conference right now that Dayton just cannot afford to lose to if we're going to keep entertaining the at-large discussion, which we will, because Dayton is now 11-5, and they're 3-0, and and they are favored, I don't want to say favorite, they are getting favorable metrics pretty much across the board, okay? So before I let the boys back into this show, it's worth noting that Dayton is getting a good draw in Ken Palm, 53, in Bart Torvik, 51. And if you're not familiar with these rankings, it's simply just like a composite that kind of brings together 
all of the rankings to give you a view of where teams are. In the net right now, they're 73. When you get above the 55, 50 mark, you start to be able to talk about the at-large discussion, getting in, sneaking in. If you remember last year, that was about the same place that they were. So it would be completely disingenuous for me to come on the podcast right now and tell you Dayton is out of the at-large mix because they're not. Because here's the reality of Dayton. They're 2-0 in the quad three. They're 9-0 in the quad four, including tonight's win against St. Joe's. But they're 0-2 in the quad one, and they're 0-3 in the quad two, which basically means simply this. Dayton has beat no one, and they have lost to no one bad or poor. So you can't rule them out, but here's the thing that has to happen with Dayton. They have to beat everybody soundly moving through the schedule, and they have to avoid every single landmine on their schedule. And the five worst teams for landmines right now are George Washington, Rhode Island, Loyola Chicago, who they play twice, LaSalle, and the team they just beat tonight, the St. Joe's Hawks. All five of those teams who account for six games on the Flyers' schedule heading down through conference play are bad teams as far as the rankings go. Fellas, don't take offense to this. I'm just speaking factually. These are games that the Flyers have to win. So if you're getting upset tonight and being like, well, Sully, you really didn't like what happened tonight against St. Joe's and we won by 20. There's a purpose for that. Okay. If you want to listen to boilerplate crap about how Dayton beat up on St. Joe's, that's fine. Cool. You know, we got flyer feedback. The Dayton Daily News is going to do coverage on this. Go listen to that and you're good. What I'm going to give you is a little bit different of a flavor because these games don't necessarily matter unless Dayton drops them. And then we can talk about why they dropped them. But they're just necessary evils right now in conference play because the reality is if Dayton doesn't come up with at least 14 wins and go 14-4 and four in conference play, they're not getting an at-large bid. So we'll, after putting that aside, we're going to pick up where we left off with Pete and Tony from the Hawk Talk podcast. And uh, right before the break, they were raving to me about the Dayton fan experience. And, um, you know, guys, we love tooting our own horn here at Dayton. We really do. Um, so, so talk to me more about that. I mean, is, is it just pure jealousy? You know, is it like, how the hell do you guys do this? I mean, where, where does it all come from? Because I'll be happy to explain anything you want me to answer for you as a 30-year lifelong fan. But what questions do you have? Go ahead. Lay it on me about the Dayton. I'll be completely clear here. We plan on using all this knowledge and implementing it at St. Joe's Arena next year at Hagen (laughs) Arena. Uh, We plan on getting the the best fan experience in the A-10. No. So I want to know how your, your Midwestern charm works. How, what is the mid, like what is the fan experience for a Dayton flyer? So, for us, like a, a St. Joe's fan. Yeah, let's walk seems, through that. Like, what's what's a game day at Hagen Arena? Let's go there. Sure. So, like, it seems like St. Joe's is really struggling for making the fan experience one that's rememberable. Like, one that you'll want to remember. For instance, earlier this season, we had multiple tw- Twitter accounts on, you know, St. Joe's Hawk Talk Twitter talking about how there's there was no food at halftime. They sold out of food. And more importantly, they sold out of beer. I mean, things you were looking sold pretty... out of beer. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Think, go on. Things were looking exceedingly bleak. Let's start Sales... there. Beers never sold out of UD Arena in the history of the arena, and it will never sell out. So let's start there. Go on. Sale ticket prices are egregiously high. We are a bad team by all accounts. We have a losing record for six years straight, and you 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 have to spend an arm and a leg if you want to get your family to go to a St. Joe's game. Just tell me, like, what is the fan? How do you get your fans to be so excited? Your your adult fans specifically, um, and even just like your students. What is the fan experience like? Tell us. Um, yeah, twofold. So I know a lot of fans know this. So I guess this will be a little bit more for the St. Joe's portion of the of the listener base that we get um, this evening. But as I said on the last show, Dayton has like a certain amount of civic pride, which is a knife that does cut both ways, as we said in earlier segments, because 
they're you know it, it, it's not an offense to the area or anything because Larry Hansgen, who does the play-by-play, came on this exact program and said this sentence. And he said, when there's a Dayton basketball game, that night, there is nothing bigger happening in the town of Dayton. And it's it's really not a knock on Dayton as much as it's a fair and realistic sentiment about what the team means to the city. So there is that amount of civic pride. And, you know, for the history lesson... The arena opened in 1969, and we really haven't had like a drop off in attendance in any of those years, like 50 some years that we have had basketball. So there's a a portion of it that Dayton was early to the punch, right? Like they got to it before college basketball became the multi-million dollar business that it became now. So they had that foresight. There is the aspect of there not being anything better to do in the town but that's not even fair like to say there's nothing better to do because that sounds negative Dayton basketball is the show in town and and that's not like a knock on the city it's basically just saying like the event of Dayton basketball has always been so big and let me go further I've said this a bunch of times don't things feel like they matter more when you do them with more people like when you guys did New Year's Eve this year, if you had more people, less people, if you're by yourself, you're like, well, we were just by ourselves. If you were with like 25 people, you feel like you were at an event. Well, multiply that over sporting events. If you went to an Eagles game, fellas, and there were 100 people there, pandemic year when they were 250 people in any NFL stadium, didn't it feel like it mattered just a little bit less? Do you guys feel like that? Like it mattered a little bit less, Right. Yeah. Well, I don't know. As an Eagles fan, I like to think that everything matters. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so but let's you, not go you, too yeah. far. But, yes. but like, yes. I, I think you you see what I'm getting at. Like, if you go to a college basketball game at Hagen Arena and 500 people are there, if you go to the exact same college basketball game, and let's say Dayton won by 20 at Hagen Arena and there were 500 people there, right? If you guys went tonight in Dayton, won by 20, and there were 13,000 people there. Wouldn't it feel like the result mattered just a little bit more? And yeah. and I think that's the prevailing wisdom that I can give you guys. Yeah, and I'm going to add on to that in the sense that they did a they did a Big Five doubleheader in Philadelphia with Temple, Saint uh, Joe's, Penn, um, and LaSalle, like the mix of those four teams, and they couldn't fill out the stadium with all four schools participating. <laughs> so not only not only one, not only two fan bases, but four could not fill out the stadium. Um, so yes, that's, that's the kind of bleak environment we live in. Well, and, the, and that's the, the knife that I was talking about that, that's double-sided, right? Because your gripe as a fan right now at St. Joe's is, is fairly straightforward, right? Hey, people are losing interest. Hey, people aren't showing up. Hey, there's real dollars at stake because no one's showing up to Hagen Arena. We're getting fight Like all of the things that you're going to talk about to try and rally the fan base, to try and get some action in the athletic department. Those are all very tangible things, right? And so let me ask you guys this, because we talk about this all the time. One of the biggest problems with Dayton is there's no real urgency for change if you're still selling 13,000 tickets a night, right? And I know that that kind of sounds like a rich person's qualm, like, oh my God, listen to my problems. Like, I'm so rich. It's like that is a problem that we have now because there are so many fans that show up because that's the thing to do in Dayton. And I guarantee you that half the crowd that saw the game tonight probably couldn't tell you the Flyers record. They probably couldn't tell you that Dayton's not really on the bubble or in the at-large discussion. No, what they could tell you is the way to the arena, what they were going to do at the arena, and boy golly, what a great time they had tonight. So... I guess the question back on you guys, like, do you see how when we have reached the, 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 the level that we have where that could be problematic when you start to not see success? Yeah, I mean, I can see that. And that's something that you can see in any point of your life. There's, that happens to businesses, to organizations, et cetera, where things are too good to change. And yeah. so my question for you, Sully, I'm going to bring it back to you is, 
what kind of what kind of change do you need in order to jumpstart what you're looking for? Is it a, a not a change of conference? Is it? Well, I, I think a lot of people would would vouch for that because that's all I hear with Dayton fans. Not yeah, all which Dayton is fans, but well, that's what they yeah. If if you're on Twitter a lot, like you'll hear that. But I think what you'll hear most rational fans say is like, "Well, we haven't even dominated the conference that we're in. So how are you going to say that we should go to the Big East and you know play Marquette and Villanova, blah blah blah? We haven't even dominated the A10 for any length of time beyond about three or four years, and we've been in the conference for 25 years, right? So that is the big question. I get that all the time from like real simpleton people who are like, well, if you're complaining about the program, what are you going to do about it? I'm like, well, it's not my job to fix the program. I'm just factually stating that like the results are not good enough because my opinion matters and you're listening to it. So if you're looking for me to come up with solutions, I'm neither the AD nor the basketball coach who get paid a lot more than I do to do this podcast. It's their effing problem to figure that out, and it's mine to point it out, and I do that fairly well. That's why you're listening to the show. So, you know, I, that's what like really gets me is people like, oh, what's your solution? It's like, there's guys that get paid a lot of money to figure out these solutions. Um, but I brought it up for you guys because it it is a you know it's an interesting question when you're on the other side of the fence and and you have tangible things to point to to say, hey, fans are losing interest, right? Well, so I think this is the time that we have to create you as the uh, the GoFundMe for AD, right? We're gonna we're gonna raise a campaign. <laughs> we're going to micro fund this effort, and I'm not gonna yeah. sleep at night until you're the athletic director of Dayton um, of Dayton University. So I, I really think this is the, the start of a new political movement in the um, Ohio area. I love that you called it Dayton University because we do that as a joke on Twitter because it happens all the time. But it's it's got it's University Dayton. I have to correct you. It's it's part of my brand. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, again, I I hope you guys can kind of see. Um, well, I, you know, not so I'm like oppressing my opinion on you, but like you see, kind of where we're coming from is that. Um, and I haven't done a check-in with listeners for a while, but thank you for you know tuning in all the way to the end of the hour. We're with uh, Tony and Pete here. Uh, they are from the Hawk Talk SJU podcast, and Dayton's a winner by twenty here on the Talking Out Loud Rapid Reaction. Um, you know, it, it's just it, it's something we talk about a lot, and so I would rather get other fans' opinions on it because if you're looking from the outside, the looking glass, and saying, "Gee, like why isn't Dayton better?" You know, or, oh, my God, like you guys are like, the fan experience is amazing. And then I'm sitting here like, well, it is. Why are we only getting the tournament one in every six years? You know, that's a legitimate question, right? I I think after this year, then you could sound the alarms. I don't think we played. We we just like we, we we haven't played anyone as physically domineering as you guys since we played Houston. For sure. And. I think you guys were on Houston's level as f- physicality. And uh, I mean, as far as talent goes, I think you were even more talented than Villanova. Just like from a, a sheer basketball standpoint, I think you guys really have the tools to, to get it done in the Atlantic 10. Um, and after this year, you need to really start think, looking yourselves in the mirror and having a little bit more accountability from the, the even in the general standpoint fan standpoint yeah yeah no i agree um we're running long that's what we do we always run long that's just how it goes but every night on the podcast i give guests their final thoughts for the evening i won't let that suffice peter i will let you have initial or um sorry additional final thoughts uh tony go first Uh, again flyers winner 20 points final thoughts so you get to talk to dayton fans sju fans the, the whole whole thing here Sorry about that. Um, my final thoughts is Deron Holmes is the real deal. That was my takeaway from this game. I had heard the hype, oh, yeah. and oh, then yeah, I right. saw it on the screen. I'm going to give the fans what they want after I wrongly called it Dayton University. And so <laughs> the bo- man, he can position himself, and when he gets positioned, he's going to score because they're going to find the entry pass. That was my big takeaway from this game. I know we didn't talk X's and O's, but I'll give that as like the final little piece of red meat for the fans. I appreciate that, sir. Peter, finish it up. Take us all the way home. In March, we won't care about uh, this Dayton-St. Joe's game. Exactly. You You get it. Exactly. That's why we didn't go to X and O's. Thank you, Peter. Thank you. All right, go on. Like Michael Scott right now. Thank you. 
All good, dude. So we won't care about any of this because Dayton will be in the Atlantic 10 tournament and St. Joe's will be wondering what's going to go, what's going to happen next year. And the answer is, is that coach Lang is going to have his job and we're going to be wondering if putting all of our eggs in one basket was a good idea. Yeah, you probably will be, fellas. Uh, absolutely know that about that. Well, we hope to have you on future podcasts. We appreciate the time, the whole hour, doing it on the radio feed and the podcast feed. Thank you again uh, for joining the show. That is uh, the whole program tonight with Pete and Tony from the Hawk Jock SJU podcast. You can find them on Twitter at Hawk Talk. SJU. I am Sully. This is Talking Out Loud, where we have two rules. Whether you're listening to the podcast feed or on 1410 ESPN Radio is wear red. Whoa. Wear red and be loud. Almost had the ending. Good night. Don't worry about a thing. Morning.